Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Through Nick and Thin. podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steve. Joining me as always is my lovely co-host, Hannah. Hannah, how are you doing this week? I feel relieved. It feels like at the end of 2020 on December 31st when that ball dropped and it turned midnight and one minute (laughs) or midnight, I suppose, and it was a new year. I feel like the world breathed a sigh of relief. And uh-huh. we're doing the same because we finally got through 2018 of Nicolas Cage's career <laughs> and we're finally in 2019. And it took a hell of a long time because he made like seven movies in 2018. I mean, he also made a lot in 2019, did he not? Yeah, but it's, I mean, well, <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> well, I, I was going to say by the time we finish 2019 and get to 2020, I'll breathe a sigh of relief, but I might get PTSD, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, let me, let me see here real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, six movies in 2019. How many were in 2018? One, two, three, four, five, six, six. Okay. I said like seven, so. Close enough. <laughs> so... We are turning a new chapter, turning over a new leaf in a new year mm-hmm. with a movie called A Score to Settle. It's also back to normal. You heard Steve's voice first. You uh. heard mine second. If you listened to our last episode, we switched roles. Or was that two episodes ago? No, that was last episode. Okay. Yeah. We stepped into a different multiverse when we watched mm-hmm. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and it we was switched a, it was, roles. Yeah, exactly. It was a universe where I do Steve's job and Steve does mine. And we and we weren't good at it, <laughs> mostly me. But I think it's one of those things where it's okay because everybody's seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. At least if you haven't, you should. So it's mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. we really sullied that movie, whereas some of our other episodes, people feel as though we've sullied the movie for them. Like, I think like this one, so. we might. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. This movie did nothing for me. Uh, it's called A Score to Settle, very briefly. Nicolas Cage, he... Played as a guy with scores to settle and then settles none of those scores for most of the movie. He's (laughs) got some incurable disease that is definitely curable and he's got 24 hours to live, but also he can live his entire life if he wanted to. So we'll, we'll dive deep into the lack of psyche for this character in just a few mere moments. (laughs) Um, But We're going to start, I think, first with some background information on Nicolas Cage and on this movie. We're in a new year, so I heard Hannah chuckling as she took some notes about Nicolas Cage. I know some really weird shit happened to him in this year, and I'm curious if you've got that story. If not, we'll save it for another episode. So what do you got for us this weekend? I have a lot, so I'm going to split this up over six episodes. Oh, wow. Okay, great. So we will start with the movie itself, as we always do. A Score to Settle, 2019, as previously mentioned. The first movie that came out in 2019 for Nick, even though it was released in September of 2019. So the end of the year is very backloaded. He released six (laughs) movies between the months of September and December of 2019? I mean, if I'm, my assumption is because A Score to Settle is the first on your list, 
and it came out in September, that that means that the other ones must have come out at the end of the year, and they were trying to make them like holiday movies or something. (laughs) You may be right. I'll I'll have to look into it. A lot of times, too, so we're going in order on IMDb, and we did get a little bit of a mix-up back in like 2013 or 2015, or whenever the first Crudes came out, we got that out of order by Mm -hmm. one movie. But um, we are back in order, Mm -hmm. as we should be, and we're following IMDb, so sometimes they will put it in the order of what is the first release date. So even if it's first released at like a film festival or internationally, that is what we're going on. And I didn't find a date other than September for this one. So I'm just going off of September. (laughs) September 2019, it has a 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb and a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not great. I'm actually seeing August 2nd, which is better, but not by much. One month ahead. (laughs) This movie had a box office earnings of $171,216, and I could not find the budget. Run that number by me one more time. One seven one two one six. That's more than I expected. I had to write it down. <laughs> That's... Who who saw this movie? We did. No. Yeah, but we didn't pay for it. It's on Netflix? Hulu? Hulu? Amazon Prime? Doesn't matter. It's free somewhere and essentially free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With subscription. Yeah. This movie is white hot garbage. <laughs> I, I thought it was fun. I, <laughs> I, I had fun with this one. I, don't I know. think you did too. I, I might have, but looking back, like, I don't remember. I didn't. Coming he, up into this room to record this podcast, you I don't remember the movie. I was like, I know it's called a score to settle, and I know he doesn't really settle his scores. Yeah, we watched it a few nights ago. Yeah, so we're not as fresh as we usually are when we record right after we watch the movie, or even when we record the next day. It's been about three days since we've seen this movie. Mm. It, has been, it sounds like a confession. It has been three <laughs> it days. It has been three since days since my last viewing of a score, of a to, score settle. to settle, and my last and only. Uh, yeah i'm never really gonna go back to this one sorry i think we got derailed what were you saying uh the original title of this movie was supposed to be old man which i think is more fitting for the plot than a score to settle since steve mentioned that there are many scores none of which have been settled yeah yeah it's not even a score to settle it's like a lot of scores it's like four scores and seven years seven years ago which is when we watched this movie it feels like (laughs) and he doesn't settle any of them he settles two of the four i guess i don't know this movie was supposed to be shot in vancouver and then they got a permit to shoot in ohio and then they ended up shooting in british columbia oh okay i was hmm? really expecting you to say like eastern europe or something (laughs) yeah it looks like (laughs) canada or the u.s yeah something north american and the director is Sean Koo. He also directed Beautiful Boy, the one that came out in 2010, not the more recent one with Timothy Chalamet and oh. Steve Carell. It's with okay. Michael Sheen. Oh, okay. Um, so that's his claim to fame. Hmm. And he also does like martial arts and like action stuff. So this was hmm. supposed to be an action movie, but like the weakest action movie you've ever seen. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> we saw Nicolas Cage very shirtless two movies ago. He's not Looking in great not shape. Good. You can't hire him for a martial arts movie. No. It would have been cool if this ended up not being anymore. a martial arts movie. Not anymore. No. That's pa- that's why this movie was called Old Man. Yeah. 
Nick's getting up there. Yeah, I guess the director didn't write it, and he might not have even cast it, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, So Nick Cage Mm. has a younger version of himself that we both noted looks so much like him. Yeah, it was incredible casting. Yeah, it was great casting. It's right in the first scene. The reason he looks like him is because he's his nephew, Bailey Coppola, Chris Coppola's son. Wow, that's so weird because I feel like Weston Cage looks more like Chris Coppola. Yep. And, and Bailey, Bailey looks Coppola more like looks Nick. more like Nick Cage. <gasps> Conspiracy. Ooh, wife swap. <laughs> Yankee swap. <laughs> Yankee swap. But with wives. <laughs> yeah. So Gross. I don't think Bailey's been in too much else, but he was fine. I mean, I mean they, they should have gotten all, this guy for other movies. Every other Nick Cage movie. Yeah. All he needed to do was just look like him, and we were like, "Yeah, yeah." I didn't pay attention to his acting. I just I kept looking at his features. I was like, "Whoa, this guy looks really Coppola," and wow. it's because he is. Wow, wow, wow. That's like the Owen Wilson, <laughs> the but Owen the Wilson Nick wow. Cage. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Owen Wilson wow with a Nick Cage twang. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> you know I love a twang. I love a twang too. I love learning new accents. Mm. And Nick loves learning new accents and learning new things. Do you like this segue? What a segue. Nick learned how to play the piano for this movie. He learned how to play the piano for this movie. He had never played the piano before. And he went all in for a score to settle. You know, the movie that made $171,000, (laughs) 201.6, whatever, 171.216. And he learned an instrument. That, that is like in. So I guess spoiler, he plays the piano in this movie, I, I, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get obviously get to that. I feel like we never say spoiler alert, and I feel like we shouldn't have to because yeah, if no, you're like here, you're watching the. Okay, I take it back. No spoiler because uh, if you're here, yeah, it's because you don't need to watch this. Right, we're doing it so that you don't have to. Exactly, or you've already done it. You already right. know the movie, and you're just listening for the comedy. For science. <laughs> the comedy and the science. <laughs> We're here for comedy and also for science. <laughs> which one of us is science and which one of us is comedy? The world may never know. Wow. <laughs> what were you going to say about learning piano? Oh, yes. That's what, I, that's what I was struggling to remember. So for, I forget the name of the movie, but the World War II movie, Wind Talkers, mm-hmm. with the Navajo, he learned Navajo soldiers. He said he learned the entire language, and then his character spoke like two words, maybe. Like, hi. Yeah, and they were very simple words because he was trying to like con his way through some bit. I, I don't even remember. Yeah, them. I yeah. remember that. So, it was Japanese, though. Then he actually had to speak. Yeah, that's what it was. He had to speak Japanese, <laughs> but, he, but learned he learned Navajo. Navajo. And his, his so, character didn't need to ever speak in Navajo. He chose to learn it. His character only needed to speak in English and then two words in Japanese to con people. My thought is <laughs> that he is making this shit up because when you do these press junkets, I wish you could see my face. I, yeah, Hannah's very excited. Like, she was thinking mm-hmm. the same thing. Well, maybe. I have something to share about all of that. Oh, but what were you going right, to say yeah. when so he does the press When junkets? you do these press junkets, people ask you a lot of the same question over and over. And from what I've heard, certain celebrities will come up with a really wild answer after they get asked a question X number of times. So they do a screening of the movie and then they get an exclusive interview with Nicolas Cage and they say well, how did you actually learn how to play the piano? And he'll be like, ah, you know, I just learned the song. 
and then somebody comes in oh did you learn that i thought that scene with you singing was great how did you learn to play the piano and be like all right i just learned the song and then by like the 12th time he's like yeah i mastered the piano and i studied music theory like he's probably just bored with giving the same answer i've heard that at least mentioned in the celebrity circles that i run in before yeah, you know, all those celebrity circles that Steve is like a close-knit part of. Yes. I'm not, but he is. No, no we actively keep you out of it. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> Something really cool happened in 2019. Yeah. There's an article that a lot of people read. And 2019, we started this podcast in 2018, right? I believe so. Yeah. So 2019, we had the podcast. People were sending us Nick Cage stuff. Please continue to. We love reading it. Oh, yeah. An amazing New York Times article came out. Yes. And I encourage everyone to and their mother to read this article <laughs> because it's everything you ever wanted to know about Nick Cage wrapped up into a nice little package. And there have been little like tidbits that I have shared over the few years that we've been doing this podcast, over the movies that we've been doing that like... A lot of the information came from this article and I was never able to actually take it from the article because the article was written in 2019, even right. though the events of the article obviously happened in like the past. Right, right, right. So I would find this article, I would look at like something crazy that happened and be like, I wonder what year that happened and then do more research to figure out like the cobra, like him having the twin cobras and him having yeah. the dinosaur <laughs> skull. And that's all mentioned in this. Yeah. So the article is called Nicolas Cage on his legacy, his philosophy of acting, and his metaphorical and literal search for the Holy Grail. Oh, yeah. I forgot he did do that. He searched for the Holy Grail. And what a quest this article is. Okay. So to make my own quest for this, this article is so long that I don't think it would do it justice if I try to sum it up here. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to take a few, like snippets from this article focus right. on a few areas and like split it up over the next few weeks that oh, we get perfect. through 2019 mm -hmm. because a lot happens in this article he talks yeah. about a lot of shit yeah i remember this article it's a good one yeah, new york I, times um it got sent to me when i was on a work trip in boston oh, was so it? i was sitting at a bar by myself just like with my jaw on the bar like dropped to the bar i guess i should say <laughs> i'm not like some some hobo putting my head down on the bar <laughs> but but and i was just so shocked at all of the revelations like, that that came out of it it's it's wild it's yeah. a read and the first thing that you see when you pull up this article it's behind me i'm gonna st step move aside for a second so steve uh -huh. can look at it Ooh, yeah that's that is a that is a leather clad nicholas cage it's a pointing. picture of nick cage like mean mugging with some nice like yellow lighting on him with a blue background mm. um arms crossed very angry <laughs> in, in stance um, he has a leather jacket on, a pair of sunglasses, a nice like fresh beard. Mm -hmm. And then apparently it says further on in the article, you can't see it, but a dragon ring on his finger the size of a walnut yes. is how it's described. Yeah. Is that the one that represents Louisiana or the one no, that represents no. Vegas? Is that, That's is that on there? dragon. No. It's a different ring. Oh, he's got more. Okay. <laughs> no, it was, it's Vegas or it's Louisiana and Scotland, Scotland is the other thing. That's what it was. I don't believe it's a dragon. Maybe it is. It could be. I don't nah. Go back and listen. I don't remember. <laughs> okay. So the interviewer's name is David Marquez. Mar Marquez. How do you say that name? I Marquez. don't know. Marquez? M-A-R-C-H-E-S-E. -E. I've seen that last name before and I always want to say Marquise. I know that's not it. 
he's he's a New York Times journalist. He has some pretty fun titled articles on the internet, actually. <laughs> Seems cool from the picture. Okay. <laughs> Seems like a real stand-up guy. So he starts this article. He says, there's questions I've wanted to ask Nicolas Cage for years. A lot of questions. And I feel the same way. Yes, of course. <laughs> I wanted to know why this divisive mercurial actor has waged a career-long one-man war against naturalism, refusing to let straight ideas about how people might behave in real life, quote-unquote, dictate his performances. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to know uh-huh. why Cage, Hollywood's greatest surrealist, whose personal and creative unpredictability has led him to attain near-mythological status in certain corners of the internet, acts in so many movies, 20 in the last two years, and why so few of them make mainstream ripples, his most recent release, the straightforwardly titled thriller, A Score to Settle. (laughs) But mostly I wanted to know why the method behind the seeming madness that informs... I wanted to know the method behind the seeming madness that informs so many of his performances. So David, no bars held, asks some like very pointed and like aggressive questions. Great, let's hear it. And we are here for it. So... Like I said, super long article. I'll touch on like the first sixth of it, and then we will move down as the weeks go on. <laughs> Fantastic. So I guess some um, background he shares about where they are for this article. They're in a private room at a small Italian restaurant, uh, not far from the Las Vegas shri- Strip. So Nick's like element. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, Italian restaurant in Vegas? Come on. You can get full on pasta and not have to eat an animal that you deem. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that uh, you mates deem. in a way that he doesn't find to be dignified. Dignified, that's And he it. does order an animal. He says, <laughs> it says, he scans the menu and asked in a bemused tone that suggested he was simultaneously questioning the waitress, me, and the universe. And he says, could I get into the Branzino? <laughs> <laughs> Could I get, could I get into the Branzino? Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. I would like the Branzino. How is the Branzino tonight? Right. Can I have the Branzino? Could I get into the Branzino? Brilliant. I mean, exactly how you want this dinner to start, right? Yeah. Yeah, I totally. I think, I wonder if you reach this meme and celebrity status and you sort of forget how to order something at a restaurant. Or human. Because, yeah, or, or you forget how to human. <laughs> I wonder if that happens. I don't know. Maybe when I'm a 60-year-old meme lord, I'll let you know. He's 57. 50, close enough. He looks like he's <laughs> ancient in this movie. Yeah, and it was two years ago. I know. <laughs> All right. I... I'm going to skip through some of this and try and get to the meat and potatoes of it. Please. There was a clip that went around of Nick Cage singing Purple Rain around the anniversary of Prince's passing. Mm, If you recall, he met Prince at a party one time and fell in love. It's in his book, Memories by Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Um, Everyone knows how much I admire him as an artist. Honestly, I wasn't even doing it to sing. It was more like primal scream therapy. Yikes. Um, And then the interviewer says, what were you primal screaming about? He said, I have to be careful about what I can divulge. There was a recent breakup. And the cool thing about this article is that there's footnotes right next to it. And it shares like more context to what he's Mm. talking about. And the footnote for this, it's footnote number one. It says, Cage filed for annulment four days after marrying his girlfriend at the time. 
Erica Koike in Las Vegas in March. And That's here right. we go. That's right. <laughs> here we go. Let blast off. Erica Koike came into the world in 1983. She is 38 <laughs> years old. She is of Asian American ethnicity. She's actually older than She's I older than I expected her to be. Her to be. Yeah. I thought that she was in her 20s, but Same. that is his more recent his wife. His current wife? <laughs> his maybe? current wife, I believe is my age. Yeah, I think you're right. His current wife is younger than his is younger than Weston, I know that. Correct. All right, so here's the story. It's March of 2019. Bad boy Nick Cage is in Vegas, his favorite place in the entire world with his girlfriend Erica Koike of one year. They started dating in 2018, first spotted vacationing in Puerto Rico in April. Um, They tried to fly under the radar, but paparazzi got him. Sure. Then they were snapped on their way having dinner in Los Angeles. I think I've seen this picture before. He looked like a total pimp with her on his arm. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Then they hit Vegas in March about a year later. A lot of partying, a lot of drinking. Yikes. The next thing you know, it's March 23rd, and the two are filing for a marriage license. Mm-hmm. They tied the very loose knot on yes. March 23rd, and then on March 27th, four days later, Nick Cage and his lawyers filed for an annulment. Here's the fun part. Uh-huh. He said that the marriage wasn't valid, and there was some weird shit that came out about Erica and her past. Okay. So he said it wasn't valid for a few reasons. First, he claimed that he was too drunk to know what he was doing. Okay. Yeah. Then there was some vague talk of Erica having a drug dealer friend. And then on top of that, Nick claimed fraud because she had not disclosed the full full nature of her relationship to her drug dealer friend to Nick Cage. Ah. So was she like sleeping with her drug dealer as well? Is that what's implied? Possibly. Okay. Um, she also had not fessed up to a criminal record. She uh. pled no contest to DUI charges in LA in both 20, 2008 and 2011. She got probation, did community service, okay. and uh, attended AA. Yeah, you usually disclose those kinds of things before you get married for four days. And then in 2016, she had another DUI charge. And in 2007, she was married and had been charged with domestic violence against her husband. And none of this was revealed. And to none of this Cage. he knew uh, okay. after dating her for a year. But you have to remember, in that year, he made 2018 to 2019, he probably made all the movies that came out in 2019, which were one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> I did. So I that have to assume. <laughs> That he wasn't around much and didn't yeah. get really an opportunity to get to know her or her past. Yeah. And she clapped back. Oh, wow. And she said that she wanted the divorce and she wanted some money. Moolah. Of course. Quote unquote spousal support. After all, it is Nicolas Cage we're talking about. Yeah. You know, when you're married for four days, you get certain to, a, you get accustomed to a certain lifestyle that, you know, you really just. For a four day marriage. <laughs> yeah. <you know>? Yeah. <laughs> He was very pissed about that. She got her divorce. um, And we don't know what happened with the spousal support that she asked for. Okay. Very hush-hush. This article thinks that she potentially walked away with something. Yeah, maybe they settled. I think they probably did because he's horrible at legal things. Yeah. Yeah, we've learned that. As exhibited by his financial records yeah go back and listen to any episode of ours from a movie that came out in 2000 
eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I know I teased earlier that when Steve was saying, you know, sometimes actors, when they're on the press junket, yeah. they like make things up after a while. A lot of that happens in this article, and you're just going to have to listen to the next episode Ooh. or just read the article yourself to find out more. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll talk about that, but I think that I've probably spoken for long enough, and we need to get into the movie here. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a ton of amazing information. 2019 is the year that Nicolas Cage got married for four days. That's How long was he? He was married to Presley for uh, was a it few months, a, I think. A few months? Okay. Oh, boy, this man. Oh, boy, this man. All right, so as Hannah mentioned, we're going to get that into this movie. That might be Hollywood's shortest marriage. Oh, no, there's definitely... How long was the Federal line? Oh, no, that was a while. Yeah. Uh, no, but wasn't oh, it was Pam, Chris Anderson? Pam Anderson? Pam Anderson and... No, I mean, no. Chris Humphreys and Kim Kardashian. No, that was like short. 70 days or something. Oh, okay. But n- Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee, the drummer... I think they were married for 24 hours. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And they're making a movie about it with Sebastian Stan and Lily something. I forget I forget her last name. Did Sorry, you... this is I need to share this information. Okay. It's been weighing on me. Okay. One of the things he talks about is that he is very anti-drug and doesn't drink. <laughs> and here we are, he in the same year got an annulment from his marriage because he was too drunk and didn't remember anything. And yeah. in this article he's like the the interviewer asked him about him doing shrooms with his cat which he talked about on letterman yeah and he was like well here's the real story like my brother had the shrooms and they were in my refrigerator and like i never did them and i never do drugs and i'm very anti-drug and i don't drink either and it's like you've drank to prepare for roles what was that one role that he like went to like every pub in ireland (laughs) and did like a pub crawl like for the culture of it I mean, oh, he got drunk for leaving outcast. Las Vegas so that he would yeah. understand the character. Like, this guy yeah. just makes shit up. Yeah, he really does. He makes a lot of shit up. Like, acting all righteous, like, oh, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. Yeah. And it's like, bro, you literally filed for divorce after four days because you were, quote unquote, too drunk, as you admitted. <laughs> yeah, there are several stories online of people being like... He has a DUI. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Nicolas Cage at least as far as we know, has never done anything like to get him canceled, right? But he's, yeah, that's true. But he's shown up places, been crazy drunk, and like <laughs> ruined people's evenings. Like there are yeah. several stories online of this. And like like I said, it doesn't get him canceled. No, but, but he's like acting all defense. Like you have to read this article. Yeah. And like I said, I'll get into it. But like he's acting all defensive because the questions that this David guy are asking are just like. Yeah, it is a great article. It's actually also our thumbnail or our profile picture for our Instagram. So he must have done a series of photos because he's wearing that black leather. But he's like looking over the shoulder with a green background. So. Let's get into this movie yeah. without further ado. Sorry. We're at almost 30 minutes. That's yeah. all right. That's so much good information. I thought it was, yeah, I figured. Yeah. Okay, great. We can speed on through the rest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this movie, as I noted, is called A Score to Settle, opens up on a young Nicolas Cage, actually his nephew, as we've learned. Bailey Coppola. Bailey Coppola. And so his nephew, we learn throughout the course of the movie, is part of a gang where there is a mob boss... There are two henchmen, it's Nicolas Cage, and it's a buddy who ends up aging into become Benjamin Bratt 
actor Benjamin Bratt. He plays the love interest in Miss Congeniality. He That's how I know him. Mr. Congeniality. <laughs> and he is also in has a small role in Doctor Strange. Everything comes back to superhero movies for me. Everything comes back to Miss Congeniality. <laughs> Six degrees of Miss Congeniality. So what we learn throughout the movie is that Nicolas Cage's wife dies when he's very young and he has a very young son. So he turns to a life of crime, joins this gang, and while this gang, particularly the boss, the mob boss, is beating up this guy, they end up killing this guy to get information or money or drugs or whatever it is. I don't even really fully know. So Nicolas Cage agrees, as a young man, that he will take the fall for the mob boss because that's who they are. They're all a family. They do this for each other. And they tell him, you're going to go to prison for five years, but we're going to take care of your boy. You'll come out. He'll still be a young boy, and it's okay. He ends up going to prison for like 20 years, maybe more, maybe like 40. 19, right? He says 19, but like he looks rough in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like he wasn't a 30-year-old man when he went to prison. You know but they I mean? don't say they don't say that he goes to prison right after. That's they, true. They never say that. That's true. It could have been like... I think it's a little while after. They rediscovered some evidence or yeah. something and, and he got pinched, so yeah. to speak. So... When we first see the actual actor, Nicolas Cage, he's getting released from prison. And it's really vague because they say he's being released because he has incurable or he's got insomnia. <laughs> and they're like, sorry, I don't mean to. I'm sure that it's like very debilitating. Yeah, but I'm sure it's like also pretty rare that people have insomnia every night <laughs> so bad that they literally are physically they so the way they describe it is that they are physically incapable of falling asleep like there's there's something like wrong in their brains essentially that prevents them from falling asleep so the doctor gives him some drugs to what help him fall asleep what did she say to him it's like it's so unrealistic she's like if you don't sleep you will die and like yeah you can't not unrealistic just dramatic it's so dramatic and it's so like exposition yeah absolutely you're going to experience confusion <laughs> yeah. and delirium and hallucinations and if you don't She's sleep like setting you it will up for die. the audience and it's like okay got it like <laughs> that's just i bet nick cage fought for that scene so that he could act like a crazy person throughout the entirety of the movie certainly <laughs> so he gets out of prison and his son comes to pick him up on foot they end up walking to grab somewhere where they can grab a cab Nicholas Cage grab he he takes to takes the cab and his son to a very specific location where he digs up a big bag of money. Presumably, this was going to be his reward for taking the fall for his boss. They offered him like five hundred thousand dollars, something like that. So he grabs the bag of money and he and his son get back in the cab and they're just driving through. And I love this nice little montage of like the wind whipping down his face and it, like it's very a la Con Air. Oh, yeah, very much. It's just his hair isn't as long. Uh, yes. But, you uh, know, in Conair, that iconic scene when he steps out of the plane and he closes his eyes and the wind just, like, sweeps his hair. That's It's very much that. It is very that. And it's that. funny because it's like, well, he's a con in this, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he plays a criminal in, like, every other movie. <laughs> but <laughs> Or a cop. He plays a criminal, then he plays a cop, then he plays, like, a soldier, then he plays a criminal and a cop and a soldier, and then a criminal, and, <laughs> and then, then a, a criminal, and then a wizard, and then, like, <laughs> Ghost Rider. <laughs> uh, and then Benjamin Gates. And then Benjamin Franklin Gates. So, so also a, also a con, I suppose. That's true. He did steal the Declaration of Independence. 
So Hey, Fauci said by July 4th, <laughs> you could do whatever you want. <laughs> and then, yeah, that's a viral tweet that was going around. <laughs> Fauci said by July 4th, vaccinated people could do whatever they want. And then somebody said, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> yes. So with the wind whipping down his face and like a Daniel Powder song playing or something... <laughs> Like some really poppy, like high-pitched voice man singing some song I've never heard of. They arrive at this luxury hotel where we end up learning that Nicolas Cage took his now-deceased wife there for their honeymoon. And he wanted to share the happiest moment, the previous happiest moments of his life, which was his honeymoon. He wants to share that with his son. So he has a very romantic suite set up to hang out with his son. It's definitely the honeymoon suite. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it does have two rooms, so I guess it's it probably nice. isn't. Yeah, it's it's great. So he's blowing all of his money on that he gained from yeah. being in prison. The money he dug up because he knows he's going to die of insomnia, I guess. Exactly. So the son is acting really weird this whole time. We'll get back to that later. But the son falls asleep <laughs> and Nicolas Cage decides it's time for revenge it's time for a score to be settled let's settle a score and one of them he goes out to an old business partner's place he buys some guns he ends up going to benjamin bratt's bar benjamin bratt got clean he started a bar everybody calls him q uh because i guess that has something to do with his name nicholas cage and benjamin bratt are talking about how much older they got and i wanted old to man yeah, I wanted to talk about this scene. You had me write this down where they're talking about their knees. And Nicolas Cage said, <laughs> Benjamin Bratt says, I'm like, oh my God, my knees are killing me. Nicolas Cage goes, of my knees and my shoulders. Like he really hesitates. Like he just improved that line. It was like really he doesn't weird. remember because he's been in prison, like how to complain about his body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then he he starts he pulls the gun on Benjamin Brad starts to interrogate where is where are the other two henchmen where's the boss and the boss is dead and the other henchman the one is always at some strip club and the other one's uh, a butcher of some kind now it doesn't matter he returns to the hotel and Joey his son is missing and he screams I believe seven times Joey hey, Joey. Joey! 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 He does also at some point uh, grab a shower, and he has really weird shower acting. Another moment that you had me write mm -hmm. down that I don't recall. I think he gets in the shower and goes, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, he does that. But let's take a step back and talk about the Joey screaming. Uh-huh, yeah. That felt so unnecessary. I mean, totally. I mean, it's like you came home in the morning, wee morning hours. Like, wouldn't your expectation be that maybe he went to get coffee? Yeah, your adult son is missing for five seconds and you start screaming like crazy. You know he just wanted to scream. I, d yes, well, I mean, I guess Joey written down with exclamation points was probably in the script, but, you know, yeah, but it's, it's up to like, the actor. Joey! 
Joey, this right. is a big this is a big apartment we're in. Joey, where are you? Right. Joey! <laughs> like, just like, oh my god. That's why he had to establish early that he hallucinates <laughs> or, yeah. or that he that he's irritable because he can't sleep. Mm-hmm. So he and Joey go on oh, yeah, the, Joey returns. Joey returns, yeah. So he and Joey go on this shopping spree where they buy uh, cars and suits and a and a smartphone and Nicholas Cage is like, how do you use it? Oh my god! This newfangled oh my goodness! Uh, they get to the parking lot with the car and he was like, why don't you take a drive, old man? He's it's a like, nice car. Ha ha happily. <laughs> and then he he has a little scream. I might not insert it because it might not sound great, but he's like, wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, then. What can only be described as the most confusing two scenes in the movie uh, approaches <laughs> where they return to the hotel with their fancy car, fancy watches, fancy suits, <laughs> and they're eating cheeseburgers on like the hood of the car, like cool bros. And a pimp approaches them and is like, hey, man, I got ladies if you want them or some shit. And they're like okay well you know no thank you but the son is very open he's like well you know what dad you should have some sex because you've been away for 19 years he's like oh but your mother (laughs) they go up the stairs towards their room and they see i'll be honest not my cup of tea an unattractive (laughs) prostitute i didn't think her haircut was doing her any favors but that's again i that's my own personal opinion beauty is in the eye of the beholder (laughs) Nicolas Cage and his son are standing like 10 feet away from her, well within earshot, and they're just being absolute creeps. Oh, look at how hot she is. Just shit Can like I that. talk to her? He goes to talk to her, and he's just stammering, and he's like, ha, ha, I've never been with a woman before. <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> stupid shit like that. Next thing you know, he's banging this prostitute. And, okay, that's fine. I'll accept that. She's a prostitute. She's a working woman. I don't know what state they're supposed to be in. Maybe it's Vegas. Maybe it's not. I don't recall. I think actually it's Oregon. Doesn't matter. So <laughs> then they're like having pillow talk after their coitus. Ew. <laughs> don't like that word, huh? Not the way you said it. <laughs> coitus. And I cannot explain what happens next. I don't think I can. I'll try. She sees his tattoos. <laughs> and he... Which the audience cannot see. He gets mad. And so he says, I'm sorry I got mad at you. And he pays her. She sees his tattoos. We don't see his tattoos. Uh We don't know what she's talking about. She's like, oh, did you do time in prison? Like pointing to a tattoo on his chest that we can't see. We presume a tattoo. Could have been like... A, a scar it's like it's could like have a, been like a badge that said prison i've been to prison like <laughs> like how how do you know is there something how I've do never you been, so. is there something like distinctive about a prison tattoo i guess because they have to do them sort of low rent yeah but like how would you be you able can to get tell a, you can get a low rent tattoo not in prison as well yeah I don't know. Anyway. It probably said, I've been to prison on his chest. And she was like, you've been to prison? He's like, how did you know? Why does everybody (laughs) think that? (laughs) So he freaks out. Then he apologizes. And he pays her $1,000. Then she freaks out. And we're like, oh, maybe she wasn't a prostitute. But she takes the money. And he says something along the lines of like, "You're, you're a prostitute, right? And she's like, yeah, but not like that. 
Like, what so, does that mean? It was, I, we just looked at each other like, what is this scene? What's happening? So he then says, wait, I'm sorry. I'm just an old man. And this is like the third time he's been like, I'm just an old man. That's sorry. Because it was called old man. Exactly. Because it used to be called old man. So Don't they, they say a score to settle in this though? Yeah, it's coming up in like the next scene after the second confusing scene where they decide to take a drive together, Nicolas Cage and this prostitute, after a long <laughs> egregious shot on a scarf floating through the air because the director, Sean Koo or whatever his name was, thought it was artsy. It was so long. It was like we 10 stared, full seconds. I was going to say we stared at that scarf. It was like, this is so artsy. Yeah, they hook up in the car. After he reveals all the exposition that we've already gone over. Uh, and they, they have a conversation about vitamin E. I just wrote vitamin E. I don't recall that. <laughs> no, context. yeah, no. She she sees that he got like a bullet wound. Like, oh my God. he yeah. got shot. Yeah, he got shot more than 20 years ago. <laughs> and he has got a scar on his chest. On his shoulder. On his shoulder. On his shoulder. And she sees it and she's like, oh, baby, like. I can't believe you you have this scar. I I've got just the thing for you. Pulls out vitamin E and like in a droplet and and drops it on his shoulder and he's like, "Oh yeah. That feels so much better." It's like you've had this scar since before you went to prison. He didn't get shot yesterday. <laughs> he didn't get shot a week ago. Got shot 20 years ago. You're telling me that vitamin E can heal scar, like a epidermal year, scar a tissue? 20-year-old epidermal scar tissue in a millisecond? Fuck off. <laughs> Movie making magic. Comedy and science. It's what we're all about. <laughs> How's that for a callback? Love that. All right. So he drops off his prostitute friend and decides now it's the middle of the night again and he can't sleep. What can he do? He goes and hunts down his, the first of the two henchmen named Dragon at this like spa where they have this strip club brothel in the back. And he has this tuss- tussle with Dragon, the, the, the guy. But just before that, I, I loved this line. It was so simple. Dragon's getting like several lap dances. And he's point- Nicolas Cage is pointing the gun and he just goes, Bitches leave. <laughs> Bitches leave. Love it. There's a brief tussle, but he does find out that his old boss, who he previously thought had died during his time in prison, is actually still alive. Whoa. Dun, dun, dun. Dragon gets away. Nicolas Cage, now that the night is over. Didn't he get injured? Not yet. Yeah, he like has... Oh, he's got like a, a bump on his a face A black or eye and shit. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's not... The, it's fine. Um, <laughs> okay. Nicolas Cage... Returns to the hotel, sees his son. He has a big blow-up argument with his son, but not before he goes, You don't understand, Joey. I've got a score to settle. Or something along those lines. So I'll insert this scene because he actually yells quite a bit. Answer me! What do you think happened? I met up with Jimmy the Dragon. We had it out. You killed him? Sadly, no. What the fuck? You had an arsenal in here the whole fucking time? You said you were done with them. You said you weren't looking to get even. Scores have to be settled. Says who? You're a big fucking liar. I'm doing this for you. That's bullshit. I am doing this for you. Everything I do is for oh, you. So it's all on me, huh? You're getting locked up for two fucking decades. That's on me. Yes. Because every penny I made you took and you snorted up your nose and you shot in your veins. What, am I out of order? <laughs> he takes the car... And suddenly it's nighttime again. It finds the second of the henchmen who's now a butcher. 
He's gnawing on a piece of salami or a pepperoni or something and finds out where the boss is. He's in a, a retirement home is what he learns from this second henchman. Shoots this guy in the head whilst eating a pepperoni, no problem. <laughs> Returns to Benjamin Bratt's bar, Q, the name of the bar. And this is where he plays the piano and he sings his responses to Benjamin Bratt. Insert here. Inserted here. <laughs> that we used to play is for kids okay and we are not kids anymore not playing anymore either believe me they deserve what they got coming okay no question about it Jason well fuck it hey, is it really worth it is it gonna change anything a little so he learned so he's, the... sing- he's yeah. singing a real song oh i believe I don't recall. I don't know that you'll be able to find out. <laughs> yes, it's a Judy Garland era standard called I'm Always Chasing Rainbows. Ah. Do you think that this movie would have been better serviced if he were singing The Rainbow Connection by Kermit the Frog? <laughs> I do. Or Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Mm, I still like Kermit the Frog's <laughs> Rainbow Connection. But Nicolas Cage after confronting Benjamin Bratt about, you know, hey, I, f- I found the old boss. He then heads back to his hotel, collapses on the ground because he has not slept. There's a maid in the hotel who just does nothing when he sees him collapsed in his room. Sorry, I, when I was looking that up, I found an article that talks about how we learned to play the piano for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's a vaudeville song said I had to get a teacher to teach me how to play that song. It wasn't the easiest song. My day job is to act. It's not really to sing. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Yeah, right. This song was not the easiest. So to me, it didn't matter that it was a little bit of a straining because the character is not professional. He's just someone who plays around with the piano and he likes that song because it meant something to his wife who is dead. So I didn't think it needed to be pitch perfect. Hmm. Yeah. Well. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. He nailed it. Uh, <laughs> so Nicholas Cage in the hotel room now he calls in a bellhop to help him with his phone he's like how do you use these things this scene I need to find I need you to find every retirement re- community because that's where his boss is in whatever Oregon. the or the Portland area yeah and so the bellhop is writing it down in a notepad, notepad and while this is happening the prostitute returns to the door but it's not the same prostitute because he scared off the other prostitute. So it's just a new one who is has a little bit the more same of an name edge. As her. And he's like, you're not my Simone. You're the other Simone. 
And she's and like, he, no, baby, it's me. And the pimp shows up and is like, you got a problem with one of my girls? You, why are you touching my girl? And then there's like a shootout, not a shootout, but like there's people pulling guns on each other. Meanwhile, there's like this 16-year-old bellhop writing down the names of- And the prostitute just cowering in the corner. Yeah, it's it was really weird, especially considering Nicolas Cage's performance in this scene, which is him trying to act tired, <laughs> which is just, it's rough to watch. It's making me tired thinking about it. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is driving in the car, heading around to all of these different retirement homes. He gets a weird call from his son. So he immediately drives to an abandoned warehouse where he finds his former junkie son with a needle in his arm. I, I may have neglected to mention that his son became a junkie while he was in, in prison. prison. And so That's he, why I think that he must have, well... Maybe that's why he freaked out when he thought he was missing. You thought he was going off doing drugs. Yeah, but I was thinking, like, the timing of him going to prison. I wonder if, like, how old is his son supposed to be? I think early 20s. I think he was, like, three or four when he went to prison. And he went to prison for 19 years. Okay, then maybe he did go to prison right after the crime was committed. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And he really is only 19 years older and looks like he's 40 years old. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. That's what prison will do to you, kids. Don't beat people over the head with a baseball bat and then take the fall for your boss. That's what we've learned from this movie. <laughs> uh, so he finds his son in this abandoned warehouse with a needle in his arm. And I forget exactly how it transitions, but he heads to the cemetery to go visit his wife's grave. And the camera pans over and there's his son's name, Joey Carver. And the son comes out and he's dressed in all white and he's like, you were never able to let me go, Pop, or some bullshit like he's that. He's been dead the whole time. And he's been dead the whole time. Which, to be honest, I didn't... Did you expect it? Kind of. When I don't know. I, know, it, I don't know. I'm never... Perce- like, with like the sixth sense, I wasn't perceptive enough with that one to realize that Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, that Spo- was the first movie. Well, that... The <laughs> that sixth- was the first time that's ever really yeah, happened. Yeah. That's fair. In a mainstream movie, at yeah, least. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not usually perceptive enough to see, like... Oh, well, I guess Joey didn't talk to any other character than his dad. And oh, I guess he didn't eat anything. Yeah, I didn't really notice it that way. Um, But I did notice that like Joey never really changed his clothes. I mean, yeah, but he he said he only had one pair of clothes. He was like, sorry, I didn't pack anything else. Yeah. And he also showed up to pick him up from the prison on foot, which Which is I just thought was weird. Yeah, I was just like, oh, he's poor, I guess. I didn't I don't know my. My maybe I'm maybe I'm dumb, but like my brain didn't. The first thing my brain didn't do was go to, oh, he's dead. I mean, it wasn't like what was it a few weeks ago between worlds where we were like, oh, his wife is trapped in the oh, daughter's yeah. body. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that, that was it very wasn't, obvious. It wasn't a, this wasn't yeah, obvious. Yeah. Well, maybe it was to some people. It was in the middle. I think. I think you okay. could, especially because in the first scene, it's like watch out for hallucinations yeah, so i was like all, okay. right, all right maybe yeah maybe i just wasn't paying enough attention eh, i don't know you, you were not paying a lot of attention <laughs> during this movie to be fair but like i said it, I, it was long and a lot of a lot of a lot of you know yeah a, a lot of nothing him being tired which made me tired yes precisely <laughs> so after we realized that his son is dead he then drives himself, Nicolas Cage drives himself over to the to the first original prostitute's house that he connected with. And <laughs> she's taking her son 
back into her apartment and she's a little thrown off and he's like, I want to give you something. And he gives her the duffel bag full of money. There's like probably $100,000, $200,000 left in there. And he goes, oh, you've got a son. What's his name? And she goes, Joey. And he's like, Arr. Of course. <laughs> Which, by the way, Joey was like an eight-year-old kid and he was sitting in a stroller. In a stroller. It was weird. Yeah. Anyway, he finds the last retirement home in Oregon where his boss is at. And he sees his boss has been in a coma for the past like 19 years or or, or the last 10 or 15 years at least. And um, he asks He's the talking n- to the nurse. He asks the nurse. He goes, "Has uh, anybody come to see this man? And she's like. <laughs> the voice. She's like, oh, yeah, one man. He goes by a single letter. Q. Dun, dun, dun. It was Benjamin Brad all along. But meanwhile, right then, Dragon shows up. And Dragon just starts oozing the whole fucking retirement community. <laughs> all these old people in comas, these geriatrics diving from bullets. Nicholas Cage uh, ends up pinning down Dragon, shoots him square in the dick. Yeah. And shoots, and him, in the shoots him in the head. Thank God. Put him out of his misery. No and man wants to be shot in the dick. Nick knows that Q's daughter is getting married that day because Q invited him to the wedding so he knew exactly where it was. Mm. Shows up. Shows up. And uh, people start running and screaming from the like bridal suite at the wedding venue. And Benjamin Bratt walks in and sees Nicolas Cage with a gun pointed at his daughter, I guess. Yeah. And um, Benjamin Bratt says... It's okay. He says to his daughter, it's okay. Get out of here. His beef is with me. <laughs> and Nicolas Cage screams. Beef. Beef. You have my son killed. He lies straight to my face about it. She thinks I've got beef with you. I didn't mean it. He Beef is an accurate description of what I've got with your father. <laughs> the, you think beef is an accurate description of what I have with your father is the line that's going to stick with me for a long time. 1,000%. I want to say that in day-to-day life. You think that beef? You think that beef is an, an accurate, accurate description, description of what I have with your father? I feel like, so July 4th is coming up. And I feel like people will be making hot dogs. And they're like, yeah, can I have hot, what kind of hot dogs do we have? Oh, we have all beef. Beef? beef? You think beef? You is think a, beef? Is an accurate description of what, what I, I have, have with your, your father? father? They'll be like, what do you have with my father? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and also keep in mind, if you are not watching this movie, which hopefully you are not because this movie is not a lot of it. nothing. But... He does do his crazy eyes and head roll as he says beef, mm-hmm. which Nicolas Cage just does. I mean, he is the, uh, the master. He is the goat. After the argument, we learn that Benjamin Bratt had to essentially let go of, of Nicolas Cage's son. He was trying to take care of Nicolas Cage's son, but Nicolas Cage's son became a junkie, and he started threatening the whole business, the whole mafia mobster business, if they didn't give him what he wanted, which was more drugs and more money, presumably. So he said, we, we had to let him go, and then I think his son died of an overdose. I think they killed him, right? I don't know if they killed him or not. but I thought they said that I had to kill him. I don't know. Eh, anyway. Whatever. Whatever. Joey's dead. 
Joey's dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Moral of the story. Yes. We learn all of this, and, and when Nicolas Cage learns all of this, he slowly puts his gun down and slowly walks out of the room. Benjamin Brad's daughter picks up the gun, shoots Nick Cage, clips him in the shoulder. He just looks back, doesn't even react. Walks straight out the door. Cops show up. They go like, get down on your knees. Yeah. And he doesn't get down on his knees. And they just light him up. He hallucinates. Yeah. His son sits next to him as they look up at the sky. He's got blood coming out of everywhere, especially mm, his, his mouth. mouth. And uh, that's the movie. Do you think his clipped shoulder could be quickly healed by a vial of vitamin E? I think if you had enough vitamin E, um, you become completely bulletproof is what I'm learning. That's science. Like Luke Cage, who is bulletproof, which Nicolas Cage turned his name into because he loves the comic book character. Comedy. Science. (laughs) So we broke it down in about (laughs) an hour. This movie was not good. Any other closing thoughts, Anne? It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Beef? You think beef is an accurate description of what I have with your father? How dare you? Just the phrasing. I don't know what about it. It's not a sentence. It's not a sentence that anyone I've ever heard would put together in that pattern. And it's also like (laughs) his character. Like that's Isn't like eloquent. No, that sentence is like a 12th grade reading level and everything else his character says is like a 6th grade reading level. You think beef is an accurate description of what I have with your father? I, I'm like thinking back to English class and it, it just like the way that you have to structure sentences, that one is just so overcomplicated. <laughs> like and you can say it. the same thing in such fewer words, which people typically do when they're just speaking. Like, we don't speak in, like, a grammatical way always. Right. We speak in a conversational way. Right. Beef, you think beef is an accurate description of what I have with your father? It just doesn't roll off the tongue. Let me lay something out for you. <laughs> You've been awake for, like, five days straight. You are tired. You are... He actually Ornery. He took, he took a shot in, like, the gut from Dragon. You're shot. You're tired. Mm-hmm. And you've got a Full gun. Full of vitamin E. You just found out that someone killed your son. Could you string together a sentence like, you think beef is an accurate description of what I have with your father? I think you're underestimating my uh, capabilities. I guess I am. I just feel like I would be so <laughs> flustered. I'd be like, you think beef is... Beef? beef? I don't have beef. <laughs> but then, of course, we would have made fun of him for doing that. So I don't think he eats beef. Probably not. They're not dignified in the way that they made. No, sorry. Bob. And I have some questions for yeah. you. <laughs> Didn't we talk about that before? <laughs> Bob is. Yes, sorry, and no, sorry, Bob. Yeah. I thought we did look it up on the podcast once. I don't, I don't know don't if recall. we ever like included it in. I don't so. remember. We looked up yes, sorry, Bob at one point, and I don't remember what the answer was, where it came from. We're not here to talk about that. We're already going to be over an hour, most likely. Very sorry. It's probably my fault. Uh, best supporting actor is my first question. Who is the best supporter? I just, I like want to say Bailey Coppola for his face alone. Yeah, totally. I get that. Like, I don't remember his acting, but he was blessed with a face that looks like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> he looks more like his uncle than his father looks like him. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yep. So that I I don't think that his son Joey was good. 
I don't no. think that the prostitute was good. No. I don't think that Benjamin Bratt was compelling. He was fine. <laughs> um, that's pretty much Probably it. The others. guy in the coma, like, yeah, didn't do did much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Best dressed. Do we really have a best dressed? Maybe the scene with the wind blowing through his hair. I mean, that's not dressed. No, but wind blowing through his hair where there's an intentionally dyed gray stripe down the middle. <laughs> Maybe. We didn't mention that. I guess like when you leave prison, you're allowed to leave in the same clothes that you entered prison in mm-hmm. if they fit you still, mm-hmm. I presume. Yeah, I guess so. And he like left prison wearing a pretty like outdated look. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. He does buy a fancy suit. Okay. So he's got the fancy suit. Fan- fan- fancy suit in his fancy car. Okay. All right. Eating a cheeseburger on the hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting approached by pimps. <laughs> Just the lifestyle. Lifestyle, the rich and famous. Uh, worst Nicolas Cage scene. Um, the sex scene. Why is it the sex scene? Because <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yes, where she discovers the tattoo and everybody gets unreasonably his, mad at her. Oh, yeah. I guess best dress would be his prison tattoo that we don't get to see. <laughs> <laughs> Revisionist history, but I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Best Nicolas Cage scene. I mean, probably, probably beef. Probably the end. Beef, probably the beef. You think? Yeah. You think beef is an accurate description? <laughs> what I have with your father. All right, which leads us to the best scream. It's Joey seven times. Really over. What do beef? you think? Beef. I mean, be- did he scream that? Yeah. Okay. I'll give it to beef, and then like obviously second is joey seven times okay all right all right it, we, it lasts forever i agree with you it's far too long but be, we we, we, went we on talked like a five about beef all right we'll beef. have to give it to beef okay and uh finally the Nouveau most shamanic. shamanic moment he, right. those weird things he does in the car he's like <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird moment when he like almost meowed or something at his son at his son <laughs> yeah and right before that was why don't you take the first drive and he goes ha ha happily yeah he's got like a weird laugh he's, that he does in the shower he's like just stuff. giving his character i think the fact that he's like trying to give his character something whereas in many movies he like doesn't even try yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know. I feel like he didn't really try. He definitely did. He's like making him quirky. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Doesn't he like... Oh, no. Nouveau Shamanic would be him learning to play the piano and sing that song and then like sing. You're right. He learned the piano. He learned the piano for the movie. Okay. I don't know if that's... I mean, a lot of actors have to do that, but like for big budget things usually. Fucking Ryan Gosling didn't bother play the piano really yeah for la la land i didn't know that nope body double hand double Ooh, you yeah. hated that movie yo all right i'm gonna make a lot of enemies of the podcast i don't think that the overlap of people who <laughs> like la la land and like Nicolas cage is very large i was just very upset between the years of let's say i don't know 20 like 13 to 2018 where every best picture winner was about, look at how great Hollywood is. Mm -hmm. Don't you just love actors and acting and writing and directing (laughs) and all of these amazing white people that you all love so much? 
and <laughs> nothing gave me more joy to see oh my god at the, the la la land oscars ripped <laughs> out of their hands <laughs> because here is an average mediocre musical but because it's the only musical out and it's this oh my god it's a modern musical nobody's ever done anything like this before mm-hmm. meanwhile the nobody's filming. given lin-manuel miranda a shot yet I you know, know that... i'm not throwing away my shot exactly <laughs> And everyone's like, look at this amazing musical. Yeah, so if you got... don't recall what Steve's talking about, oh, they yeah. there was a bit of a snafu with who was supposed to win the best picture. Yeah. They announced that it was La La Land. They got up there, they started the speech, and then there was like some commotion, and they found out that Moonstruck... Moonstruck? No, not no, Moonstruck. Moonstruck is Nicolas Cage. Moonlight. <laughs> Moonlight. Yeah. With Mahershala Ali. Yes. That movie actually won Best Picture, and the people accepting the La La Land reward had to give a really uncomfortable, Moonlight, you deserve this. Get up here. Yeah. It was actually you. Fantastic. Loved it. Fantastic. (laughs) Right. It was retribution. Yeah. So if you are a big Hollywood hotshot, stop making movies about movies. I'm sick of them. I'm sick of them. It's just not relatable to the general population. Birdman, I don't give a shit. Yeah. The artist, who cares? Mm. Argo, we're going to use actors to solve peace in the Middle East. Go fuck yourself, Ben Affleck. <laughs> Why are you playing a guy named Tony Mendez? It doesn't make any sense. You tell him. Anyway. There's some ominous thunder. That was, that, that was, there was a, I don't know if the mics will pick that up. Probably not. Right as I said, Tony Mendez thunderstruck. <laughs> I don't even know if his name is Tony Mendez. It's something Mendez, but anyway. Where that's, are we ranking this one, that's Han? That. Um, <laughs> I forget. I mean, he does some like pretty cagey things in this. He does. Do you have a comparator, something that you want to compare it to that I can look up? Uh, a number you're feeling. We're over 90 movies at this point. Yeah. Um, what was the movie with Ruby Tuesdays? <laughs> <laughs> Dying of the Light. Where's that? Uh, that feels similar because he also plays like... You're... A similar character. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Many moments of this movie reminded me of that movie. That is at 31. Wow. We liked them. That movie was like pretty solid. Yeah. Okay. What's 32? 32 is Arsenal. I don't remember. Oh. Where he revives his character of Oh, King. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 33. 8 millimeter. Okay. I'll put it above 8 millimeter. All right. So between Arsenal... And eight, eight millimeter, millimeter was a better movie, but I think that he was cagier in this than he was in eight millimeter. Yeah, eight millimeter, he, it, he wasn't cagey. Mm-hmm. He just was a cop or something. Yeah, detective undercover. Or something. Or something. Yeah, 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 maybe maybe a private investigator. Yeah. yeah. All right, Han. Next week we are watching a movie called Color Out of Space. I've heard of this one. It has an eighty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, Ooh, so we're exciting. in for a treat. Yeah, Yay, I All need of... something good in my life. <laughs> Me too. Actually, <laughs> we so, probably will skip next week. Yeah, it's already Wednesday. This is probably going to go up on Thursday, so we're going to skip this weekend with the holiday, and we'll return is, the week after. It is Fourth of July, which means that oh, a year yeah. ago this weekend we made an epic film (laughs) (laughs) we watched national treasure and we put up two podcasts i believe that weekend Mm -hmm. one where we did a live uh reaction i guess you commentary commentary Mm -hmm. and then what was the other podcast just like a quick review of his scenes yep and some behind the scenes info we didn't we didn't go over the scenes of the movie but okay just behind behind the the scenes stuff Mm -hmm. and then even more important on our instagram we made a remake a 
a uh, low budget oh, <laughs> emphasis, shot for shot emphasis on the low budget shot for shot remake of the National Treasure trailer. Mm. Um, Steve plays Nick. He plays Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer, Nick's father and Sean or Bean. grandfather. Yeah, and Sean Bean. Yeah, and, and you, don't you also play his dad, or is he not in the? Trailer? He's not in the trailer. Okay. Yeah, and then I play Abigail Chase and Riley. And Riley. Yeah. Yeah. And it's electric. <laughs> <laughs> it's electric. So go check it out. It's on over our this Instagram. Weekend. It has our old Instagram handle, like at the end of the video. Just yeah. ignore that. Yeah. But you'll be able to find it on our new Instagram handle because it's all still there. Yes. If Great. it's actually I've noticed the other day, like the way Instagram is now you can see the videos separately from the post. So mm-hmm. if you like filter by video, it's the only one that we've ever made. So you Perfect. can very easily find it and I would highly recommend watching it on Fourth of July because what's more American than that? Then watching your favorite American podcasters talk about the your most favorite American, American movie. The most American movie of Honestly. All time. <laughs> not the pro- Patriot. It's protecting independence. It's not the Patriot, it's national treasure true yeah. story about yeah. patriotism yeah i think that'll do it steve fantastic let's so get happy independence day mm. if you're an american and you want to celebrate it <laughs> if you're not american celebrate with <laughs> us this weekend have a drink well. celebrate america light some fireworks yes and just remember we will always be here for you through nick and thin thanks for listening everybody take care no.